This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, so we continue on, and I was asking the question, just going briefly over this uh, guy's background insofar as the victim, if you will, in the shooting in the uh, Niagara region on, I guess, late last week. What was it, Thursday, Wednesday? Anyway, uh, it's surfacing now uh, that this has always been a volatile individual, or so his own brother, three years his junior, was saying in A Piece and a Star, and I thought, well... uh, it's kind of a curiosity to me that after the rap sheet that I was articulating last week, I, that the guy still retained his position on the force. He'd been disciplined no fewer than five, six times and for serious offenses that seemed to involve some kind of anger management. So let's find out what the uh, rigmarole does involve when it comes to police officers, especially it's a, a concern because they've got a gun and a badge and can operate with impunity in a lot of cases. Dr. Oren Amate is a registered psychologist and media consultant, and he's joined us here on The Oakley Show. Oren, good to have you back. Hi there. Well, thank you, John. Uh, good evening to you. Yeah. You know, uh, what's been described in this instant, uh, I don't know, you probably heard the story or been following it, right? Right. All right. Uh, that he had a trigger rage described as a red mist. You ever heard that term, red mist? I have. Um, you know, I, I, I don't deal ex- uh, largely with um, ang- anger control or anger management problems. And there are people who that's their, you know, their area of expertise. Um, but I have dealt with a number of people who do have that and they've used different metaphors to describe it. So I have heard that term, not frequently, but I have heard it. So uh, describe what your knowledge anyway is of uh, what it involves. It's almost like once a flick a switch goes off, the person almost, they, they describe it almost like it's a blackout rage where they are not in control of their actions, and they go from zero to a hundred with nothing in between. And that's you know that's why we have this expression of you know I'm seeing red. We think of red and blood, uh, but red gets associated with violence. So the terms I always hear are red and black uh, is how you know the, how they metaphorically describe going into that mental state. How common would this be, or uncommon? I guess. Well, to to have that type of um, you know an escalation with almost like, again, zero to 100, it's not that common. It's, it's relatively, small, you know, it, it's on a small level. Um, however, people who have been subjected to trauma uh, in childhood, um, you know, they, that can manifest itself in different ways. For some people, anger causes them to shut down. They withdraw. They're afraid. And for others, that anger can almost send them into a dissociative type of state. That's like the red mist or that black rage. So, um, you know, unfortunately, abuse is very high. Childhood abuse is, you know, we're talking like 20, sometimes 20 to 30 percent of people have been reported to experience that, but only a small fraction of them uh, manifest it in that rageful manner. So we're not talking huge numbers, but, you know, look, um, the courts are full of, uh, of referrals to anger management programs for people. Oftentimes, I think that they're mis, uh, they're they're sent for the wrong reasons. But there are enough people to keep the uh, the anger management therapists active. So it's not that common, but it's not rare by any stretch of the imagination. All right. So is it a combination of nature nurture or mostly nurture? That's a tough one. I would say mostly nurture. It's mostly the um, you know early experiences that make someone prone to being like that. But we can never discount the uh, temperament with which people are born. And not everybody, once again, not everyone subjected to the same type of early experiences are going to experience then at late in, you know later in life uh, or in, later in childhood this type of rage response. So it's definitely the combination. And I don't think we can quantify to what degree it's you know one or the other. 
All right, uh, but here we have a police officer, and again, I mean, uh, this is all based on reports from his own family member, as well as, uh, I guess, some past history of uh, improprieties on the force. Should psychological screening be mandatory in cases where you've got figures of authority, police officers specifically, they got a badge and a gun? To my knowledge, the screening is mandatory. Um, you know, I've known a number of uh, people who, as police officers who've had to go through um, more comprehensive psychological testing than you would, for example, to work at a company. So it's not just filling in a few questionnaires, but there's also often what we call projective testing. So these are tests to get at aspects of the person's psyche that, you know, you, you don't get through uh, just interview or through pen and paper testing. So normally that does happen. And if a person does present with, you know, concerning traits or behaviors, you would expect them to then, you know, be referred for an evaluation and uh, preferably a psychological rather than psychiatric. Psychiatric evaluation is usually just an interview. It's quite brief, whereas a psychological evaluation would be doing those tests again uh, to make sure that the person, you know, can't just bluff their way out of uh, you know a, a difficult interview, you have to make sure we understand what what is their coping mechanism. How do they deal with stress? How do they see themselves? How do they relate to others? You know, what is their emotional um, uh, intelligence? This is the kind of testing, comprehensive testing that has to be done and should be done. Yeah, I'm kind of curious how that works. Then, what are the flags of a volatile, threatening behavior, for example? Well, that's the thing. You cannot. It, it would be hard to know. You know. A priori, just by, you know, a few questions beforehand, as far as uh, through their actual action, I mean, by definition, it's basically um, an escalation disproportionate to the, uh, the situation. And, you know, most people, it's not like they're going to do it just once. So it'd be somebody who it might, it might you know, um, appear in small forms at first, like, you know, they, they, uh, they're at a cafeteria and they, uh, they don't have the food that the person wants and they get really angry. They raise their voice. They start speaking inappropriately. Um, you know, that would be a, an early sign. But, you know, many people might act like that that aren't going to uh, turn to rage. Um, so somebody who's prone to actual, you know, red mist type of rage, you're going to see, first of all, that kind of behavior much more frequently. And secondly, you're going to see um, a risk of that escalating beyond just getting angry. Like we're talking, you know, physical threat, intimidation, uh, you know, if not outright, uh, you know, lashing out. Well, this is the case that we cited last week of this guy when his rap sheet sort of came up or his track record with uh, the Niagara Regional Police. Several cases of disciplinary action for acting improperly as a police officer, certainly uh, pepper spraying a handcuffed prisoner in the back of a cruiser, assaulting a cyclist for no reason. Uh, how does somebody like that stay on the force? Any idea? That is, I've got one word, union. Okay, I mean, I, I, and I'm not being facetious. I cannot think of any other way, it, it, you know, in those types of situations because, again, these are not, um, like, you know, look, what's, what can I say here? These are not just minor infractions. These are violations of a person's legal rights um, and, and can cause severe harm to them, especially the person who is restrained, who can't fight back. There's no reason. He may have been angry. Uh, like, look, I want, before I go further, you know, I've, I've worked with a number of police officers and, you know, there's very few, there are very few jobs that uh, get your adrenaline pumping as much as these do that put you in that fight or flight mode. And police are not going to flee. They're going to fight. So I understand that. But we have to make sure that the officers who are charged with this almost impossible task truly can handle it. And so when you start seeing someone, you know, lashing out, as you've described, 
uh, in an illegal manner. They should not be on the force actively until they've demonstrated that they've gone through proper therapy. They've shown that they will not be uh, prone to these types of outbursts. Uh, you know, it, it can't just be a few meetings. It has to be a very rigorous um, uh, protocol to make sure that the public is safe. And again, as I said, I think the union must have intervened uh, to prevent that from happening. Yeah, you know, the other disturbing thing is that the badge confers a certain authority on a person, like a police officer, and uh, it allows them to, well, maybe it emboldens them if they're uh, so inclined to intimidate people and threaten and bully and so on and so forth. You think there's something like that, that in play? Oh, for sure. I mean, that if you give just the most gentle person a badge, we know this. When I mean, people have some sense of authority, um, they are prone to, to abusing it. And if a person has a, a certain type of personality, um, authoritarian type of personality, and you give them that ultimate authority, an actual badge and a gun, it's very easy to see how that can lead that person to take advantage of it, to abuse that uh, power. And, you know, again, for a police officer, it, it's, I, I don't want to sound too cynical here, but the fact that this type of incident doesn't happen more frequently is a bit more surprise, a bit of, of a surprise. Because again, many people in that kind of a situation with the stresses that they deal with every day, with the culture that, it, that, you know, that is fostered in these types of uh, work environments, um, and with this almost us versus them mentality that they often feel that they are up against, all of these factors and many more can make anybody prone to, again, abusing their authority. So certain types of personalities are almost guaranteed to, to do that. Interesting. Uh, the insights of the psychology of first responders or people in the front lines uh, doesn't always excuse uh, less than exemplary behavior, but it helps us to understand it. Uh, really appreciate your time, Oren. It's always great talking to you. Thanks so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, John. You got it. Dr. Oren Amate, registered psychologist and media consultant. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.